0: Do you guys remember that uh, uh, kids' uh, uh, cartoon um, with Gaston? I think it's, it's uh, Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Beast. Gaston, he's uh, taller and burly, uh, the guy with charisma. <clears throat> Everyone likes uh, charisma. What does that have to do with the Bible in church? Well, there was a guy in the Bible with charisma. Do you guys remember who remember that was? They selected him as king because of his charisma. He actually, the Bible says he stood head and shoulders above the crowd. You've heard of that term before, right? That's a biblical thing. That's when they selected, uh, in the Old Testament, they didn't have a king. The people clamored for a king. They wanted a king. They worshiped God in the Ark of the Covenant, but they wanted a king, and they clamored for one. And they selected King Saul, <clears throat> King Saul, who was selected, called, I guess, ordained. Um, he was given the gift of the Holy Spirit, but he came, became a selfish and corrupt king. But that kind of reminds me of uh, modern day charisma is uh, Gaston who was bigger and burly than anyone around. But charisma, that root word of charisma, comes from the word charis, is the word for gift. Is a word for gift. And when you become a Christian, when you put your faith in God, God gives you charisma. Isn't that kind of cool? We all have charisma. It's different than being extroverted. It's different than being the life of the party. It's different than... Uh, kind of our worldly view of charisma, but God gave gifts. He gave you gifts. So that's kind of a cool thing. So we're going to be talking about some of these spiritual gifts. We're talking about the, the filling of the Holy Spirit that is with us throughout our lives and then comes inside us and can come especially upon us for God's special purposes in our lives. But here we're talking about Differentiating between what we talked about last time, it's different than the it's it's the it's semantically it's kind of confusing. The Bible talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or the or, or rather versus the fruit of the Holy Spirit that we talked about last time. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is our spiritual maturity over time, where we want to all grow in the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? and that's out of the book of Ephesians, that we all need to grow in love, and joy, and peace, and more patience, more kindness, more goodness, more self-control. The gifts, however, God gave unique gifts. I think that's the distinction. God doesn't give us all of them for some reason, as opposed to the fruit of the Spirit, where we want to aspire to all of them. God gives us uniquely one or two or three or five of them. It's kind of like personality. I like to liken the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the unique gifts that God gives us, kind of like our personality. If you've taken your Myers-Briggs survey, you've heard of the word extrovert, introvert, etc. If you've taken your survey, you know, you're high on one, it's kind of Dicho, di, it's kind of a dichotomy, right? If you're higher in extroversion, you're lower in introversion. If you're a more detailed person, you're you, uh, you know it's kind of a you have one and not the other. And there's some interesting books about the, especially the Myers-Briggs, the one I've studied the most, that can give you all the ins and outs of your personality profile. Well, the the fruit gifts of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> are kind of like that personality. Uh, profile. God gives you unique gifts. So let's take a look here in a couple scriptural passages and we'll be, I'll be teaching on the majority, the major gifts. And so some will be uh, straightforward and some maybe you'll gain an insight here too of what they are. And uh, obviously it's easiest to Look outside of your body and look at other people and go, oh, okay, I see that gift in that person. I see that gift in that person. That's an easy way to do it. But what I want to lead you to is turning internally and, and, and self-discovery of what your gifts are. And I have a survey for you, if you'd like, if you haven't taken it yet or in a long time. I have a written form of it, or you could jot down lifeway.com that you could do it online. Okay? So I love this. Uh, The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, Now about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. (laughs) I like this. Or ignorant. I don't want you to be without knowledge. So the Apostle Paul obviously had the gift of teaching, right? (laughs) He doesn't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. But our God that we worship that's inside of you is not a mute idol. God wants to teach us and not, you, know, you don't want you to be ignorant. So he says in verse four, if you read along with me, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord There are different kinds of workings, but all of them, and in everyone, is the same God at work. Verse 7, now to each one, each person, every believer, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the purpose of the common good. Now, you've heard this before, haven't you? Every believer is given at least one gift. Have you heard that before? Have you heard that before? I couldn't find it anywhere in the Bible. It doesn't say that. All right? Referencing 1 Corinthians 12, 7, they often reference 1 Corinthians twelve seven, And 1 Corinthians 12, 7 simply says, now to each one, each person, maybe that's where they get the one. Now to each person, the man, all it says is the man, God gives us the manifestation of his Holy Spirit, is given for the common good. It doesn't say you're given at least one technical detail, technical detail. I've heard that over and over again in my Christian career. Because when you, when you hear that, it's like, okay, so some, some, some only get one or two or three. It doesn't really say that. The Holy Spirit determines who receives which gifts. Verse 11, and we are to use our gifts to serve and benefit the body, not just ourselves, not something that we possess, okay? Like, I've got the Holy Spirit. I've got these gifts. And it somehow adds to our charisma. You know? I mention that because in the church, uh, what is the church but made up of sinners saved by grace? Okay? And we could be fall victim to kind of pride, right? And uh, I've seen over and over again uh, people in their professional life outside of church where they get their pride from, you know, their accomplishments and things like that. They come into the church and kind of expect the same position in life. Sometimes people are selected to be on the board, CEO of a bank, you know, (laughs) you know, and me being having the gift of prophecy or a prophet of truth, you know, I look at that and it's like, well, that doesn't really qualify you, does it, <laughs> to be the board chairman, even though you were a CEO of whatever? Maybe it might give you a skill set or whatnot, but is that person exercising their gifts right, of leadership and whatnot? There may be some carryover, but it's not an automatic thing. Okay? So what you did in Life outside of the church doesn't always transfer over. The same light, if you haven't done anything outside of the church or whatever, don't feel like, oh, I have nothing to contribute. So don't think that way either. God has uniquely gifted you to accomplish the goals of the church. So we are commanded to use our gifts. Exercising our gifts will help us develop. Not only mature us spiritually, help us grow, all right, but also build up the church. First Peter, I like this. First Peter 4, 10. Now each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. I like this. If anyone speaks, oh I love this. Of course, I'm giving messages now. I'm counsel people. I open my mouth and speak. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Oh, I love that. I love that. That gives me confidence, power, um, boldness when, when I'm preaching. If anyone serves by the same way, they should do so with the strength that God provides them. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever. Amen. Romans 12. A couple more here. Six through eight. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. It's just grace. 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 Gifts. It's a gift. It's an endowment. It's like an inheritance. something we don't earn. God gives it to us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If your gift is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouragement, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give with generosity. If it is to lead, then do so diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. So I'm going to go through these major lists with, uh, I don't know, uh, two or three lines of definition. Some will be obvious to you. Uh, Maybe you'll uh, come away with a little bit of, a little bit more knowledge about the spiritual gifts. Um, So just like the believers, uh, uh, forgot the apostles came across some believers and they asked, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they're like, we didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit, (laughs) okay? So this is what we're teaching about. Church, did you know there are gifts of the Holy Spirit? Oh, maybe you didn't even know that some of these were unique gifts, all right? And you possess them. So this is kind of fun to uh, study what charisma, what gifts that God gave us. So the first one, leadership. Leadership aids the body in leading and directing members to accomplish the goals and purposes of the church, leadership motivates people to work together in unity toward a common goals. This is my observation. Small churches often don't call leaders, <laughs> right? You kind of have that expectation oh, our pastor is going to lead us. But what churches often call, guess what? Our chaplains. I know the word chaplain because I worked at a hospital and there are chaplains around, right? Their job is not to lead, right? Their job in a hospital setting is to what? Show mercy, encouragement. People going through whatever, hard times, they're in the hospital for a reason, right? They're going through difficult times. So that's, what's, that's the job of a chaplain. When it comes down to it, on paper, you know, I, I I saw a job description recently of a local church of their job description of the pastor that they, the ideal pastor. <laughs> We've often done that here as well, as you've looked for, for a minister, right? The ideal pastor will... Lead the church and uh, goals and disciple. Da, 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 da. Well, outreach to the community and uh, have visitation and be available and be able to and be good with youth. And then, right? Every everything, right? It's an almost impossible job description. In a minister, a pastor of your church, you obviously want a leader, but. Churches often will call a chaplain. You know, they, they choose the person that has mercy. They choose the person that's personable, the person that they like, right? <laughs> that's, that's what's high on the list. Administration. Larger churches, uh, you know, often have more than one minister. So it's e- a little bit easier to distinguish those uh, roles. And truly, call a leader, teacher, etc., administrator. <clears throat> Sometimes churches have, you know, an executive pastor. They're so large where the person with uh, administration skills and organization, organizing the <clears throat> church, enables the body to organize for God's given purpose to be, <clears throat> you know, accomplish short-term goals, long-term goals. You have strategic planning. The goal of teaching, sometimes larger churches have a dedicated teaching minister, right? That their job is, you know, everything stems from, you know, their teaching, their exe- exegetical uh, teaching, the small group ministry uses their material, etc. Uh, their gift is to um, efficiently uh, teach the truths and doctrines of the word, building up and unifying the and maturing the body. Kind of in the micro print there. Um, I have a handout for you. You could certainly copy. You don't have to jot all this down. It's also online. Again, the reference is lifeway.com. Lifeway.com. Everything's online there. Uh, the gift of knowledge. The gift of knowledge manifests itself in teaching and training and a discipleship. It is a God-given ability to learn Know and explain the precious truths of the Word of God and the faith. A word of knowledge is a spirit revealed truth. Gift of wisdom. Wisdom is a gift that discerns the work of the Holy Spirit in the body and applies His teachings and actions to the needs of the body. So it's kind of like the application of knowledge, right? So. So a person may be very theoretical, right, um, and can contemplate, you know, a deep discussion about a certain theological topic or whatnot, but wisdom is the application of that knowledge. Prophecy, this is one of the often confused ones, the gift of prophecy is proclaiming the word of God boldly. So it's kind of a generic definition, right, and it helps explain Some of the confusion, when we think of a prophet, we think of what? Old Testament prophets, right? And prophecies and foretelling the future type of thing. So since the uh, fulfilling of all the Old Testament prophecies, the modern uh, application of the gift of prophecy is the gift of proclaiming the word of God boldly. Certainly, that's what the Old Testament prophets did. They got a word from God, and they proclaimed it to uh, uh, the, the the believers. But now, the word became flesh, all right? The word became flesh, and we could study the life and actions and ministry and teaching of the word. The word, what does John say? The word became, in the beginning, was, was the word. So we could get the truth of God just by studying the life, and teachings of Jesus. Prophecy manifests itself in preaching and teaching. (laughs) I once counseled uh, preaching and teaching. You don't have to be at a pulpit to preach and teach. You don't always have to be in front of a class, okay? That's often how it manifests, but also one-on-one type of uh, those of you that are parents have been parents. There's all that, that thing called a teachable moment, right? A teachable moment. So it can definitely come out in different ways. Um, I remember in a counseling session I was in once, um, what the person was going through with their interpersonal relations and conflict was pretty obvious to me. Um, because, um, being on the outside, it's easier to see the truth of certain situations. And I tried to describe this to this particular, uh, gal and, uh, I happened to blur it out. She, you know, she was like, whoa, yeah, that's, the you know, light bulbs went on, you know, she was like amazed. I said, I happened to blur it out. Uh, yeah. Cause I had the gift of prophecy. You know, she was a little misled or did not quite understand what that term meant. (laughs) Unfortunately, she went back into her uh, extended family and she said something like this. Well, I talked to Pastor Curtis (laughs) and he said, this is going on. (laughs) And therefore, this, you know, she needed to take some action. So the person who heard that got upset at the church or whoever this Pastor Curtis was, <laughs> you know, and uh, this was at the large church I was at, so uh, it came down the pipe <laughs> from the senior pastor. <laughs> Curtis, let's talk after church service. What's going on? People are upset. They said you, they said, you said you had the gift of prophecy, can you explain what's going on? <laughs> right? I go, I did not say I was a prophet. You know, Old Testament prophet. I know what's going on in your life, and this is going to happen. I did not say that. I had to explain. Uh, I use this in the, ter- in the modern term, right? A prophecy of being able to see truth and proclaiming it. And I did so in a counseling session. <laughs> All right? I made the mistake of saying, I have the gift of prophecy. All righty. Discernment. Same thing. Discerning. Discerning spirits. Sometimes it's called discerning of spirits. Discernment aids the body by recognizing true intentions of those that we are relating with. Yeah. Discerning spirits. Seeing people's motives. If you want to spiritualize it, you know, seeing demons, you know. Stinking thinking if you don't if you don't want to talk about demons and spirits and you know the forces of evil, you could just say it's stinking thinking uh, which leads to our emotions, which leads to our actions discernment discernment tests the message of and actions of others exhortation this one's often confusing exhortation often sounds like. Preaching, <laughs> you know, uh, the gift of preaching. No, exhortation can be called also a synonym, the gift of encouragement. All right, exhortation uh, members to be involved encourages members to be involved in and enthusiastic about the work of the Lord. Members with this gift are good counselors, motivate others to service. Exhortation exhibits itself in preaching teaching ministry. So you look at the preaching ministry of John MacArthur on one hand versus the preaching ministry of Charles Stanley. Who has the higher gift of encouragement when they're preaching? Is it John MacArthur or is it Charles Stanley? It's Charles Stanley, you know. Who often shares, empathizes with his audience by his life stories and real struggles, and then you have John MacArthur, who kind of never shares about his personal life, but it's always, you know, this is right, this is wrong. Uh, doesn't matter if it's controversial. Doesn't matter if he's, it appears to be divisive in our modern, postmodern society. Uh, he is bold in his teaching. So it can come out the same thing. Think about one, the hard parent and the soft parent, okay? Or how you were raised, right? One may have uh, teaching, shepherding, uh, whatnot. One may say the truth, but the other one says the same message, but it come, comes across a whole lot nicer. A whole lot encouraging rather than, you know, uh, kind of brash in that way. Shepherding, shepherding, shepherding. It's very, I think, very much like parenting. The gift of shepherding is manifest in persons who look out for the spiritual welfare of others, okay? So just because, uh, just because like in- encouragement and things like that, it's interesting. They always relate it back to encouraging others to be involved in and enthusiastic about the work of the Lord. So everything work is pointed to these gifts and abilities are pointed to the building up of the body and the institution of the church, okay? That is what we exercise our gifts toward. So just because our life experiences in another area that doesn't always translate over. Here we go, shepherding. Although pastors, like shepherds, do care for members of the church, this gift is not limited just to the pastor, pastor or shepherd. So you may have the gift of pastoring in other surveys. Pastor shepherding, all right? So you don't have to immediately limit that as, oh, I'm not going to be a professional pastor. That's not me. Maybe you're a small group leader, okay? You gather people around, all right? Your goal is to... Uh, bring them to faith and have them mature, okay? You kind of have that Apostle Paul's and Timothy relationship, all right? The gift of faith. Faith trusts God to work beyond human capabilities of people. Very closely tied to that word hope, right? If you're a hopeful person in the things of God, (laughs) faith is confidence. Confidence, assuredness, in the hope of things not seen. I love that. And having faith, like I shared last time, sometimes we can have faith for uh, faith for other people. Sometimes it encourages them to have faith for them. What, what does that mean? Um, having hope for someone else. Let's say someone that's depressed just can't see, you know, the light, can't see truth. As you talk and counsel with them, you are giving them your faith, your confidence that things are going to get better, right? You give them courage to face another tomorrow and keep enduring to get through their valley of shadow, yes. Believers with this gift encourage others to trust in God right? Trust in God in the face of apparently insurmountable uh, circumstances. And a couple, few more here, the gift of evangelism. God's gift, God gifts his church with evangelists to lead others to Christ effectively and enthusiastically. I, we were sharing in small group today, mine, I don't know if you can guess mine. Mine is pastoring, pastoring and shepherding um, maybe teaching, um, administration is somewhat there. And I was surprised that evangelism is is kind of there as well. Because <laughs> to me, I don't fit, <laughs> you know, my preconceived notions of an evangelist, <laughs> right? Uh, these terms, some of these terms uh, are loaded with our just, you know, 2,000 years of church history of, you know, all the things that we have been through, uh, this one particular word, but, you know, it's having a desire that the loss would come to have a saving faith in God, um, not just to be saved, okay, I, I, I'm definitely not that type of evangelist, all right, asking around, asking people, are you saved, <laughs> Okay, um, but I see people without God, without the joy of God, and my heart is sad. Right, my heart is sad for that. I see my relatives without the hope that we have in God. I see my relatives without the faith that I have that they don't have in their present life and even the future. I see that, and I think that's where that evangelism kind of give kind of bubbles up, you know, wanting to see that. Christ effectively, let's see, they want to lead and uh, share Christ effectively and enthusiastically with others. So the, as far as the gospel is concerned, I'm always trying to think of different ways to share that. Maybe that's where that comes from, is to be able to articulate that in a way that's, I don't know, non-offensive, that maybe the person can grab onto it and hear it depending on what uh, perspective they come from. The gift of apostleship, you would think, well, do I have the gift of apostleship? I thought apostles were only those in the, the first century church that actually were eyewitnesses to Jesus. Certainly we are not that type of apostle. Um, but the modern, uh, this was kind of new to me as well, studying this, the modern definition of an apostle is the, the one who is sent. The church sends apostles. That's what the original apostles in the book of Acts were. God sent them, right? The apostle Paul were sent. They were sent to different areas to reach the lost, uh, to, to share the good news throughout Jerusalem, Judea, and to all the ends of the earth. So if we have that desire to bring the good news of Jesus, the blessings of God to other areas. If you, um, you know, some people who have are apostles, you don't see them in church because they're just busy <laughs> doing ministry, right? They're busy visiting people. They're busy, whatever, visiting people that are shut-ins. I'm, I'm thinking of people like Betty. Betty. Sometimes she's here, sometimes she's not, but when she does share, she's always like has a passion for doing something. She's, she, uh, she took pictures of us to bring our love to those that are shut in. She is busy doing the work of the ministry. Apostles motivate the body to look beyond its walls, there it is, and carry out the great commission. And some other, uh, lastly, wow, there's a bunch of them. I'm going to go through these fast, Okay. These are pretty straightforward. The gifts of service, that Christmas gifts us helps. And I I love that this one's here because when you look at some of the lists of spiritual gifts, uh, you know, most people have the fear of speaking in public, right? And so being in front of the class, being in front of the mic, being able to share something from here can be very intimidating personality-wise. Okay? So... Um uh, it's important to realize that the gift of shepherding, the gift of teaching, the gift of all these other things can happen in a one-on-one setting, okay? And certainly the gift of service and helps isn't always in front here, in, in especially in our modern worship service, right? Uh, things happen. Practice has to occur. Um, things behind the scenes have to happen. So that's The beautiful work of uh, helps and service. Those that recognize practical things to be done. And they joyfully give assistance to meet those needs. The gift of mercy. Cheerful acts of compassion characterized with those with the gift of mercy. Persons with this gift aid the body in, in empathizing with hurting members. They help keep the body healthy and unified by keeping others aware of the needs within the church. I like that, right? I mean, I, I, that's why I love the, the, being part of a small group. I encourage you to be part of a small group. This is where we, what? We share our joys to multiply them. I love that. We share our burdens to what? Lighten them. I love that. That's the whole idea. Gift of giving Gift of giving. Members with this gift are generous. They they joyfully give to uh, the work of the ministry. Hospitality. Those with this gift, I like this. Hospitality isn't always having people. You don't have to be a Martha Stewart. (laughs) You don't have to be a good cook. All right. You don't have to have a gigantic house. But I like this definition. They have the ability to make visitors, guests, and strangers feel at ease. I love that. You have the ability to make visitors, guests, and strangers feel at ease. We definitely need those with the gift of hospitality. If you're going to be a growing church, a welcoming church, uh, welcoming visitors that, that are going to visit, and if they're going to stay, you need people that with the gift of hospitality. All right, wrapping up here. Some last statements. God has gifted you with an expression of his Holy Spirit. He gave you charisma to help fulfill the purposes of the church. It's an exciting thing. God doesn't abandon us. Jesus gave us the power of his Holy Spirit. He gifts us uniquely to fulfill the work of the church. God desires that you discover them develop them. The Apostle Paul says to Timothy, don't neglect the gift that God gave you. Fan it into flame, right? Fan it into flame. So how are you going to figure it out? You just try on different hats. How are you going to figure it out? You try on different hats. This is what I thank this church for allowing me to do when I was a youth, is to try on different hats. I think practically... These are the prerequisites. These are the steps to exercising your gifts. Number one, repent from self to be open to more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Number one, this is the prerequisite. We, we don't need to grieve the Holy Spirit. If we're doing opposite things and living life in the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit, we need to stop. We need to repent. Repent. I think this is maybe where my gift of prophecy preaching teaching comes in i don't think it's that hard (laughs) right we don't need to we don't need a lesson in systematic theology just look up ephesians the fruit of the holy spirit agape love all right we need to do more of that less of conditional love less of keeping score Less of transactional relationship. Wow, how did they treat me? All right. Can you go beyond and give them more agape love? So I've been playing pickleball with her granddaughter, Michelle. And she started playing competitive uh, learning. And there was this one guy. I go, "How'd, how'd your tournament go? She goes, oh, man, there's this one guy. He's so aggressive. You know, he's just smashing the ball. Uh, It's not fun. I go, well, you're in a tournament. The whole idea is to, you know, win, lose, do your best. But still. So we played with him the, this week. And he was partnered with this other gal. The other gal accused me of touching the ball when it was out. Like, like in ping pong. Like, it's out. Like, oh, it's out. She was like, touch the ball calling me, touch. I go, I didn't touch the ball. Two points later, she's still grumbling about it. (laughs) She's still grumbling about it. And and they're like talking to each other. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. Not a fun game. It's just a game, right? (laughs) So after that, uh, Michelle and I were like, oh, that was horrible. She was accusing you of cheating. This week, I reached out to the guy. So I called him by name, I said "I said hello. I think he was surprised that I said hello. I opened the door to a nice conversation. Even after the match, you know, we hit paddles, and I go, good game, that was fun, or whatever. And that gal's like, she's not saying anything. Never said good shot, never said good shot during the match, or anything like that. We were saying that, so. We just had to be a good witness, right, and not let them affect us. So anyway, this it was just the other the, the other night that I started making small talk. I said hello, and I think he was surprised that I wasn't avoiding him or not making eye contact or whatever. And somehow we got on the subject or who you came with or whatnot. And uh, he apologized for that gal last week. <laughs> he apologized. I go. Uh, Oh, did you know her? Did you come with her? You know, I thought they were like in cahoots or whatever. He goes, no, I didn't. And he was like, I didn't know her. It wasn't me. And uh, he apologized for her and actually said he was trying to like tone her down or whatnot. I go, oh, that's good. Not uh, giving people more than they expect, right? So having the gift of the Holy Spirit, love and joy. Peace, patience, kindness. I think you know the Christian life doesn't have to be that hard. You know, it doesn't have to be so intellectual. Um, just pray through the fruit of the Holy Spirit daily, weekly. As we come before communion once a month, how do you prepare your heart for to receive God's grace and? God's continual baptism of our life in mercy in our life? Just pray through the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Am I doing this? Is God convicting me of this? Am I doing the opposite of love and joy, patience, okay? (laughs) Kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Step two is being more immersed by God's Spirit, just having that mindset of continual baptism, continual cleansing of our lives. Step three, learn about the unique gifts of the Holy Spirit and practice your gifts. That's it. And God, we just thank you for today. You, This is a day that another day you have given us. Whatever season of life we're in, God, it's encouraging to know that We don't have to walk on this earth alone, but you gave us, give us the indwelling, your very spirit, yourself, Jesus, God, Emmanuel, God with us through your Holy Spirit, where you're able to be with each of us in unique ways through whatever uh, life experience, whatever trial that we are going through. God, you are with us. God, we thank you for that. Not only that, you give us gifts, unique gifts to, be, to participate in your worldwide goal that all people should come to know you, be redeemed from death to life, to forgive our sins, realize the truth that Uh, God, you do hold us to a moral standard, God, that all falls short, even our religion, even our own attempts to be good and righteous. It only points us, not that we're so bad, but God, it's because you are so holy. God, when we worship you, we realize, just like Moses, we are standing on holy ground. God, not only that, God, it's amazing that because you are so holy and we are just human that you still choose a, choose to call us your children and your friends so we thank you and praise you in your son's name we pray and all god's people said amen